Well, good evening. How's everyone doing tonight? Doing well? Well, good to have you here at church tonight, and welcome to all of our campuses in Appleton, Stevens Point, everyone in Green Bay, good to have you with us. I know we got a lot of our youth here as well uh, at all of our campuses, so good to have you with us to our Ash Wednesday service. Uh, we are a multi-site church, so we're one church. We have a few different locations, and uh, just a few times a year, we will gather together and all do our entire service together and tonight is one of those evenings so welcome uh, good to have everyone with us uh, tonight is a different kind of public service uh, it's different than what we usually have around here and it'll be centered more around uh, the reading of scripture it's centered around praying public prayers together and around the idea of symbol. And actually there's a lot of room for symbol and symbolism in our lives. And uh, you see this all over the place in life. Uh, you see this in the idea of how we do things like birthdays. Uh, in birthdays you'll see symbols like birthday cake and birthday candles and singing happy birthday. Uh, it's what helps make birthdays special, the fact that we've got these things that we do in our lives. Uh, you see it in relationships. Uh, actually, today is Valentine's Day and nothing says I love you like you're going to die, which is what Ash Wednesday is about. And, uh, but we see, it, we see it in relationships and Valentine's Day is where we've got some symbols, things Things like chocolate, things like giving flowers, we have it in our relationships. You see it in marriage. Uh, we exchange wedding rings in marriage, and uh, these are symbols, symbols that are like a shackle that you're stuck with each other, we say in weddings sometimes. Uh, or it can be a sign of your never-ending love and faithfulness towards each other. Uh, but we've got a lot of symbolism in life. There's a lot of room for symbolism in our faith. Uh, faith isn't just something that can be reasoned. There's a lot of room in faith for analogy and comparison. There's room for poetry and imagination. And there's mystery in faith. But, you know, because we moderns, we've been so influenced by the rationalism brought on by the Enlightenment, we're not so into symbolism. You don't see it a whole lot in the world that we all grew up in. We're all pretty cerebral. We think with our brains a lot. And when someone tries to use the idea of symbolism, it generally feels a little awkward or it feels a little forced to us. We want to know what a thing is and what makes it work, not what a thing could mean. And symbols often seem way too arbitrary or made up to us because we're more technological, we're more analytical with our lives, but there is definitely room for symbolism for us in our lives, and there's a lot of space for it in our faith. So this evening, we are joining along with the historical church that has walked through Ash Wednesday, which has been going on for more than a thousand years in Christianity, and it's a way to recapture our capacity to think symbolically about our faith. It's a way that you can really enrich and inspire the soul. So tonight, as we move through song, and we move through scripture, and we move through symbol, let's trust God 
to speak to us here tonight. And let's trust God to renew our love for him. Amen? We all need to have a renewal of our faith and our love towards God. So tonight, uh, we'll feel a little different. We'll have three movements to tonight's service. Movement one will focus on the fact that we are human beings, that we're created, that God is the creator. We are created. We are creatures. Movement two will focus on our need to turn away from our own way of doing things. We've got a will that's bent, and we bend back towards God. It's this idea of repentance. And then movement three will be a time to pause and to remember our own mortality. The fact is that one day... We're all going to die. Life has an expiration tag on it. And we've all got a date. And we remember our own mortality. We'll end our time together tonight with Ash Wednesday slapping some ash on our foreheads. And it'll be from last year's palm branches. That's where the ashes come from. They're going to be pretty obvious. They're right there on your head. So why the ashes? Uh, If you recall, ashes were used throughout the Old Testament, and you see them in the New Testament. You see it throughout church history, and they they symbolize for us a deep spiritual surrender, and it symbolizes a great dependency on God. It's saying, God, we need you in our lives. Uh, You see it in the book of Esther. Mordecai put ashes on his head when he heard of the decree of the king to kill all the Jewish people in the Persian Empire. The ashes were a mark of his desperation for God to move throughout that situation. Uh, You see it in the book of Daniel. Daniel puts ashes on his head to intercede for Israel's release from Babylon. They were in what seemed to be an unending captivity. And ashes were used to declare a dependence on God and a refusal to rely on our own human strength, but rather saying, God, we need you in our lives. We need your strength within us to fix what is wrong in our lives, to fix what is wrong in this world. Genesis 2-7 says, The Lord God formed the man from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. Genesis 3-17-19, And God said to the man, Because you followed your wife's advice instead of my command and ate of the tree from which I had forbidden you to eat, cursed is the ground. For the rest of your life, you will fight for every crumb of food from the crusty clump of clay I made you from. As you labor, the ground will produce thorns and thistles, and you will eat the plants of the field. Your brow will sweat for your mouth to taste even a morsel of bread until the day you return to the very ground I made you from. From the dust you have come, and to the dust you shall return.
riches of our God and King. Lift up your voice and with us sing.
if you'd stand with me and all of you in the campuses if you'd stand this time of Lent it's a very intentional time it's based in the calendar in the church for these thousand plus years was to celebrate or think about or lean into the time from Jesus' transformation on the mountain where you remember the scripture says that his face turned glowingly white and one version says his clothes turned whiter than any launderer could have whitened them. <laughs> it's just funny. But, but from that moment, Jesus stops just generally ministering and healing and doing all these wonderful things. He continued to do some of that. But he began to move toward his passion and the cross. And so the Sunday before Lent starts historically is Transformation Sunday. And then the church begins to think about Jesus' journey to the cross and the ways in which he had to orient his heart to obedience to that end with the joy of us being one to God through that cross. And we're invited into that trajectory. Sometimes we forget that Christianity isn't just about resurrection. There's a cross that precedes it. And the cruciform life is a huge part of who we are as believers. We're to live a life that we give ourselves. And so in the course of Lent, one of the things that began to do is say, how can we do little mini yeses that kind of crucify ourselves? And that's where the fasting came in or the re refusing to do certain things or the planning to give up certain things. It wasn't to do it to earn anything from God, but rather it was to participate in the preparation of Christ moving to the cross. And it's still a huge part of who we are as a people. I used to think when I was pastoring early on that I didn't want to celebrate anything special, you know, because every day was Easter and every day was Christmas and every day was a celebration. But I lost the fact and the joy of learning to focus on seasons of things. So my encouragement to you, if you've never done it, or if you did it as a kid, you lent it as a kid and it was horrifying in your PTSD, um, to try to recapture it. And to open your heart in this season between now and Easter to face the fact that Jesus is moving to Calvary and to experience in your own heart a willingness to, to clean out what might be in your way of your heart. That's what Lent actually means is the idea of cleaning, is to, to bring freshness in. And so let's, as we begin, maybe stand together and straight and maybe put out our hands and, and, and put ourselves in a posture of openness to God and maybe take a good deep breath in and just let the air out. Let God fill your lungs with his goodness and his kindness and his grace. And then as you exhale all the crud of your soul, let it out and let's ask him to come. Precious God, Father, Father, 
Son, and Spirit. Have your way in us, we pray. And let this season be full of moments with you. Help us understand who we are and who you've called us to be. We ask through Christ our Lord and everyone said, Amen. Amen. Go ahead and be seated. In this moment, we're remembering that we are creatures. When um, we have an encounter with the divine uh, or with the holy, it creates a kind of unique feeling of dependence. Remember the hour you first believed. Um, This is what we find scattered throughout the, the biblical record. From Genesis where Abraham speaks in the presence of God. And he says, quote, now that I have been so bold as to speak to the Lord, though I am nothing but dust and ashes, end quote. As he was encountering the divine, he realized just how creaturely he was, nothing but dust, nothing but ashes. Or Isaiah, who is in the face of the holy, and he cries, woe to me, I'm ruined, for I'm a person of unclean lips and I live among a people of unclean lips and my eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. He becomes undone. To Peter, who when he sees Jesus fell to his knees and cried out, go away from me, God, for Lord, for I am a sinful man. See, in in these moments that we experience a feeling of of God, we have this sense of creatureliness come upon us. We get a creature consciousness where we experience the emotion of a creature who's submerged and overwhelmed by its own nothingness in contrast or in contrast to the one who is supreme above all creatures. This feeling, it, it is not able to be explained away in some kind of a rational way. It's beyond possible conceptual explanation. It's, uh, which makes it sort of supra-rational, right? It's above rationality. It's above the arena of reason. We've had this encounter with someone who we cannot describe. This is the description of an encounter with God Almighty, where one feels, you know, this kind of self-deprecation in the presence of an overpowering absolute might which cannot be expressed in words, but only we can only sort of talk about it indirectly because of the tone and the content of a feeling response to that presence. It's hard to put into words. Uh, this is, for most of us, the moment of salvation, where somehow we have these, or other times when we have these profound moments of worship in his presence where we're encountered by the power of the Holy Spirit. This is the description that uh, if you've never had anything like this, or if this sounds really unfamiliar to you, you may not have really crossed the threshold of faith. And you may only be just a cultural Christian. That doesn't mean there's not good happening in you. But it's this moment of encounter with the living God where you're so aware he is creator and you are not. That is what the Christian experience really is about. Some call this moment when the human being meets the divine, the numinous experience. It comes from a Greek word, numen, which is interesting. It means the nod of the gods. That somehow in our lives, if God nods at you, something, you pick up on it. You may not be able to describe it exactly, but something's going on that's captured you. 
And it's jammed with mystery. And it's jammed with a, a, a Latin phrase that's used to describe it as fascinans et tremendum. And what it means is in those moments where God, you encounter God, you're fascinated, you're drawn to it, you're curious about it, and at the same time, it's tremendous. It freaks you out. It's a little scary. That's this moment of the encounter of the nod of God. When we put ashes on our head tonight, what we're doing is we're putting on parade that, that we would only be dust and ashes if the creator didn't keep holding us in life. It means that we're recognizing we would crumble into simple dust if God was not the one, as the Psalms say, holding us in life. It, it tells us and reminds us, as Bob said, that we are utterly dependent upon God. So let's pray this prayer together. I'm going to ask you to stand one more time. And... Uh, Let's pray this prayer corporately together. In uh, those of you that are watching, uh, in the um, uh, by the uh, campuses, say this with us as well. You ready? Let's lift our hearts. O oh Lord, my God, te say it with me. <laughs> Let's try it again. Ready? One, two. <laughs> Here we go. O oh Lord, my God. Teach my heart this day where and how to see you, where and how to find you. You have made me and remade me. You are creator and I am creature. All the good things I possess have come from you, and yet I do not know you well. Teach me to seek you, for I cannot seek you unless you teach me, or find you unless you show yourself to me. I pray as the psalmist prayed, apart from you, I want nothing on earth. My body and my heart faint for joy. God is my possession forever. Let me seek you in my desire. Let me desire you in my seeking. Let me find you by loving you. And let me love you when I find you. Amen. Just for a moment, just stay open. You may be seated. Matthew chapter 3, starting in verse 2, and saying, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is near. This is he who has spoken 
of through the prophet Isaiah. A voice of one calling in the desert, prepare the way for the Lord. Make straight paths for him. The scripture says, prepare the way. Make straight paths for him. John the Baptist is simply saying we should. In fact, we must and we have to make room for God in our lives. We've got to clear some things out. Throughout the course of a year, our lives get cluttered with all kinds of things. It's like our houses, right? Our houses throughout the course of a year, man, they get cluttered with all kinds of things. I got four kids. My house gets cluttered with all kinds of things, and we constantly need to keep making room in our homes. Uh, This is kind of the idea of repentance. Repentance is about refusing to live in alienation. Uh, God is life, and turning from God is simply just moving away from God. It's anti-life. So what direction is it that you're moving? You know, at any given point, I promise you, you're either moving towards God which is living the life as a pilgrim, or you're moving away from God, which is the life of the prodigal. So in order to determine which direction your life is going, we simply need to take a spiritual inventory of our lives. We need to ask this question, what is going on with my soul? Uh, Paul talks about this in 2 Corinthians chapter 13 and verse 5. It says this, it says, it says examine yourselves to see whether you are in the faith. He says, test yourselves. This, you know, comes from a rich spiritual tradition you see throughout the Jewish thought. You see it in areas like Psalm chapter 139 where the psalmist says this. He says, search me, O God, and know my heart. Test me and know my anxious thoughts. See if there is any offensive way in me and lead me in the way of everlasting. You know, spiritual checkups, these are good things for us to do in our lives. John the Baptist, he was a huge spiritual checkup guy. Uh, I take my kids to get checkups on their teeth. It's good to get your body checked up on. And this is good to do in our spiritual lives. He came to encourage people, John the Baptist, to check their hearts, to see if they were pilgrims or if they were prodigals. And the good news is that God is really near to you, whether you find yourself running away from him tonight or you're running towards God, God is actually very near. Jesus used these words in Matthew chapter three. He said, repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. So whether you're running away from God or you are running towards him, the promise in scripture is that God is right there waiting for you. The ashes we wear tonight symbolize the process of turning away from God as prodigals and turning back towards him as pilgrims. Uh, The prophet Jeremiah, he pleaded with the Israelites to repent. He said this in Jeremiah 6. He said, oh my people, put on sackcloth and roll in ashes. When we do this, this idea of repentance, there's an immediate sense of freshness in your lives, isn't there? When you turn back to God. You know, Ash Wednesday is this traditional kickoff towards Lent. And the word Lent is this idea of spring. It literally means that spring. 
We all do spring cleaning in our homes, right? Uh, Spring cleaning where we kind of let the freshness of spring come back into our homes, and everybody loves spring. It's the time and the season that Lent symbolizes, and it's a time where we flee from the coldness of winter, the coldness of winter in our hearts, and it's just another way to say repentance. And it's this idea of us zealously entering into the springtime of our faith, this pilgrimage back into hope, hope in God and his faithfulness towards us. Its origins had to do in examining the heart and finding ways to make room for God in the human heart. And this is the why of traditional fasting during the 40 days of Lent, this period that we give things up leading towards Resurrection Sunday. And we'd encourage you maybe to consider fasting with us during this 40 days of Lent. Maybe you'll give up something like chocolate or coffee or candy or Big Macs. Dylan, where you at? Yeah, Dylan's in here somewhere. Dylan, my son, he loves Big Macs. And when you love something, you want to run after those things, don't you? And during this time of fasting, it's giving something up. And you're creating a love, longing, empty space in your life. And the point is to redirect that longing, that love back towards God and inviting God to fill that space. That space inside of you that longs for the Big Mac, that space inside of you that longs for the chocolate or the coffee or whatever it is that you're giving up, you redirect it back towards God. It's the idea of fasting and making room for him in your lives. You know, uh, I've got a car and every now and then I got to give somebody a ride in my car. You ever have to do that? Give someone a ride? And sometimes you got to make room for somebody in your car, uh, especially if you got four kids it gets filled with like chicken nuggets and things like that, right? In a hurry. And when you have someone in your car, you got to make some space for them in your car if you're going to give them a ride somewhere. It's kind of the idea of fasting. It's the idea of repentance. It's making room for God in your life. So this season of Lent is about making that space for God in our lives. In Lent, believers, we are urged to participate in preparing ourselves for a fresh new openness to the power of God and the resurrection that can happen in your life. If you need some resurrection in your life, this is a great time to do it, to celebrate Easter and to make room for God, to have some spring cleaning take place in your life. So tonight, our ashes declare our movement from sin, this prodigality where we run away from God and back towards him. It's turning our face back towards God and pilgrimage back to him. It's moving away from wasting our lives to living in pursuit of God's face. And I promise you, this is where life happens. This is where happiness happens. This is where joy happens when you turn back towards God. So tonight we come and we're going to pray a corporate prayer of repentance. So if you would all just stand with me wherever you're at, at all of our campuses. What I'll do is I'm going to read a simple prayer And then up on the screens, you're going to see a response. So when I read it, you'll see the response come up, and we're asking you to respond back with us. You will see a spot that says response, and please respond with us. Let's pray. Lord, we have not loved you with our whole heart, mind, and strength. We have not loved our neighbors as ourselves. We have not forgiven others as we have been forgiven. 
Too often, we have been deaf to your call to serve as Christ served us. We have not been true to the mind of Christ. We have grieved your Holy Spirit. We confess our sin to you, Lord, all of our past unfaithfulness, our pride, our hypocrisy, and the impatience of our lives. Our self-indulgent appetites, our ways, and our exploitation of other people. Our anger at our own frustration and our envy of those more fortunate than ourselves. Our intemperate love of worldly goods and comforts and our dishonesty in life and work. Our negligence in prayer and worship and our failure to bear witness to others, the faith that is in us. Accept our repentance, Lord, for the wrongs we have done, for our blindness to the human need and suffering, and our indifference to injustice and cruelty. For all the false judgments and uncharitable thoughts toward our neighbors, and of our prejudice and contempt towards those who differ from us. For our waste and pollution of your creation and our lack of concern for those who come after us. Restore us, Lord, and let your anger depart from us. Accomplish in us the work of your salvation. By the cross and passion of your Son, our Lord. You may be seated. The band is getting ready to play and While they're playing, let me encourage you to take a few moments and ask the Holy Spirit to search our hearts, to search your life, and to show us what we need to turn from. What is it tonight that you need to turn from? What sin have you been caught into? What are the things that you have left undone? Where have you not been faithful towards God and towards others? Tonight is an opportunity to repent. So I would ask that if you're even able, maybe you want to go down to your knees or sit maybe and just ask God and let's look honestly this evening at our lives. From wherever you been, come broken heart, let rescue begin. Come find your mercy, oh sinner, come me. This earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. No earth has no sorrow that heaven can't heal. Lift up your face. 
So the ashes help us to remember that we're creatures, that we're the created, not the creators. They help us to remember that we must turn to him, that it's easy to go prodigal. As the old hymn goes, our hearts are prone to wander, and that we keep determining to be pilgrims. Those ashes remind us that we're pilgrims. And then finally, tonight before we have those, those ashes imposed on us, 
They remind us of our mortality. This part stinks. Genesis 18, Abraham, who is called the father of faith, declared, I am nothing but dust and ashes when he came to entreat the Lord in prayer. As we saw earlier, we were created from them, from ashes. Genesis 2, the Lord God formed from the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man of dust becomes a living being. And then we read in Genesis 3, 19, for dust you are, and to dust you will return. This is the declaration of the condition of the human experience. Throughout the ancient world, saints who were about to die, they would lie on the ground on top of sackcloth that was sprinkled with ashes. And they did this because they were accepting the reality of God's perspective of the human condition. With modern medicine and all the ways that we've found breakthroughs, on some level, I think we think technologically we will beat death. Um, but we're not going to. There are few things that uh, are certain in this world. And one of them is death. You and I are going to die. It would be odd to think about this too much, obviously, but we have to think about it once in a while. Ash one days is one of those times too many people pretend like this isn't true. But there's a kind of wisdom, believe it or not, that comes when you stop and you realize that your life really does, as Bob said earlier, come with an expiration date. Psalm 90 says, teach us, God, to number our days aright. Why? That we may gain a heart of wisdom. In the wisdom tradition, something broadens in you, deepens in you, thickens in your soul when you realize that you're mortal. The whole issue of being mortal is only morbid if you think about it shallowly. But if you ponder it long enough, there's some things that actually emerge that, that are weighted with wisdom. Things like the fact that we realize that we're not here in this physical world forever, it, it helps us to remember that we will face God. And that at some point in our lives, we're going to be accountable, held accountable for the things we do with our lives. Not just bad things, I think the sinful things are washed away, but it isn't just about sinful things, it's about wasted things. It's about unborn things, potentials unborn that we'll have to give an account for. In Romans 14, it says, so then each of us will give an account to himself, of himself to God. It's one of the great wisdom pieces that emerge when you stop and realize you're going to die. Remembering our mortality helps us keep in mind that the world around us is transient and the people we're connected with, they don't always just stay, nor will we just stay. And it ends up helping us love others more, celebrate others more, not less, because we realize life is so fragile. Ask anyone who's lost someone who's dear to them. 
and they start embracing those around them a little more sweetly because they realize not everyone stays. It also helps us examine and ask the question, what is most important in life? I mean, if I'm only here for a while, what are the things that are really important? And it, it can help you recalibrate your priorities. This is all heart of wisdom stuff that is helpful when you begin to realize that you have one life that ends. Whenever I do work with college students, particularly or teens, if we do a retreat or something, if there's a nearby uh, cemetery, I'll usually, as part of the retreat, go there and spend about 45 minutes and ask the young people, just walk around, look at all the headstones. Look at the times they were born and the times that they died. And as you're walking around, ask yourself, I wonder what they died with that was unborn. Dreams, hopes, potentials. Things that they thought they'll do it when they got, you know, around to it. And the around to it, you can't find them often. And how life starts and ends, and are you aware of that, and how will that inform you? I think of the prophet's comment to one of the kings in the Old Testament. This is in 2 Chronicles 25. The prophet said to the king, the Lord is able to give you much more than this. The Lord is able to give you much more than this. Look at your life. Look at what's happening. Look at your influence. Look at what you've done. The Lord is able to do much more than this. How many of those that lie in graves uh, really didn't tap into what the Lord had for them? And then we have to ask ourselves, how many of us have? Seasons like this, a little dark, a little reflective, a little examining, certainly not bundles of joy. It's times like this that we can stop and think about it. As uncomfortable as it is for us, we need to face the fact that we're going to die because wisdom emerges. In Psalm 103, it says, as a father has compassion on his children, so the Lord has compassion on those that fear him, for he knows how we are formed. He remembers that we are dust. Do we remember? As for man, his days are like grass. He flourishes like the flower of a field, and then <laughs> the wind blows over it, life blows over it, and is gone. And its place remembers it no more. It was so weird two years ago when the um, Super Bowl 50, that was just two years ago, right? Super Bowl 50. And they were asking kids you know, around 10 years old, 12 years old, 8 years old, where they think they'll be at the 100-year Super Bowl. And as I was watching it, I thought to myself, where will I? Whoa. <laughs> I'd be dead. They're talking to people who won't be. It is freaky weird. It's a number of your days. But it's really good. In the, one of the catacombs in Rome, monks from the Capuchin order um, would stage their predecessors' deaths 
their dead bodies with sign around, signs around their necks. Here's the, here's the picture. Uh, and the sign would read, what you are now, we once were. What we are now, you will be. What you are now, we once were. What we are now, you will be. See, this was not done to creep us out, although it's pretty creepy. <laughs> but it was done to help us remember our mortality. To remember that we need to do something with our lives because our lives don't last forever. And it fosters wisdom. Even those of other faiths outside the Christian tradition recognize the wisdom that's presented in the Psalms about numbering your days. What's referred to as the five remembrances are, cha are chanted by some Buddhist monks every day. And this is what the chant is. I, it sounds bleak, but there's real wisdom in it. I will lose my youth, my health, my loved ones, everything I hold dear, and finally life itself by the very nature of being human. I'll read that one more time. Notice no shouts of amen. <laughs> I will lose my youth, my health, my loved ones, everything I hold dear, and finally, life itself, by the very nature of being human. Human experience is a gift. Human experience is a joy. But human experience ends. The good news for the believer is that death does not have to be feared by us. There's a text in Hebrews that says, since the children have flesh and blood, Jesus too shared in their humanity, so that by his death he might destroy him who holds the power of death, that is the devil, and free those, watch it, free those who all their lives were held in slavery by their fear of death. God doesn't want you to be afraid of death. That's not the point. And because of what happens in the resurrection, Easter, we know that God pulls the sting out of death and that Jesus becomes the resurrection and the life. And he says, Jesus said, even though you die, yet you will you live. There's something in the Christian faith that even though we mourn like the loss of precious Debbie Gunger not too many weeks ago, even though we mourn loss, we don't mourn like people who don't have faith. We just mourn missing them knowing one day we will see them. C.S. Lewis captured the concept of crossing into eternity on the last page of the Chronicles of Narnia. He closes the series by writing, listen to this, quote, for us, this is the end of all the stories. But for them, it was only the beginning of the real story. All their life in this world had only been the cover and the title page. Now at last, they were beginning chapter one of the great story, which no one on earth has read, which goes on forever, and in which every chapter is better than the one before, end quote. In just a moment, we're gonna come forward and 
we're going to place ashes on your foreheads. And when we do that, let's remember what we're declaring here. We are creatures. If God was not holding us in life, we would simply be dust. We're the creatures. We're also saying we are no longer prodigals, we are pilgrims. We are independents on God. And lastly, we are going to die. But we can say that without fear and with hope. So let me have you stand one more time. Let's pray this prayer about ashes and pray this out loud from your heart. You know, sometimes when you do written prayers, some people say, well, I can't pray that. It's, I didn't say it from my heart. Well, you sing songs from your heart. <laughs> and you know those, the words are on the screen and you sing them with all your heart. It, you know, if, if every time we sang it was a new song, because someone to sing it spontaneously, I bet you'd be bored. I hate learning new songs. I like the old songs. I know I'm an old guy, but hey, old people are smart. <laughs> Young people, those poor unfortunate souls. Right? But you sing with your heart. In fact, some of you, the, the more you know the song, you sing even louder and you throw your heart on it and you write it, right? You can do that with written prayers. You can say it from your heart. So say it with a little more gusto. This isn't a dead church. Let's make a ghost story tonight. Right, holy ghost story. All right, here we go. Ready? Is that up there? Here we go. Gracious God, you created us out of the dust of the earth and breathed into us the breath of life. By your hand we live and to your hands we return when all our days are done. Grant that the awareness of our mortality may lead us not to fear but to faith. In our weakness, teach us to look to you for strength. In our failures, to turn to you and find forgiveness. And in our dying, to await the gift of everlasting life through Jesus Christ our Lord. And everybody said, Amen. Amen. So we're gonna put some ashes on your head. There's no pain in the ash. It'll be good for you. Might be a little painful if you're going to McDonald's afterwards or something. <laughs> yeah, that means I'm gonna die. <laughs> but we wanna invite you, just as we open our hearts, we're gonna sing a song here and we'll wait for just a moment just to reflect those of you in the campuses just get in just a moment of reflection and openness we're going to invite you to kind of exit your row from to the left and come down to the front where you are and the imposition of ashes will put on your head and this is what you hear remember that you are dust and to dust you shall return 
And then if you just go back to your seat after everyone's finished, we'll go ahead and speak a blessing over you and you'll be dismissed. But for just a moment again, let's just open our hearts as the, those of you that are imposing ashes, if you'd come forward right now and just begin to just worship God in your heart. Remember your creatureliness. Examine, are you prodigal? Running the wrong direction? Just a simple move of the heart makes you pilgrim. No matter how long you've been going west, once you turn, you're going east instantaneously. That's how this works. You don't have to make up for your lost ground. You don't have to make up for what you have wasted. You just simply turn to him and he's there. As Bob said, the Lord is near. One version said, he's at hand. So repent. He's within your grasp. And then lastly, open your heart to the fact. You don't live forever here. Now the good news is you will resurrect one day and you will be here forever. Life endures, but not now. So be open and examine your life and where it's going. We invite you to come.
thy faithfulness oh god my father there is no
And let's give God some praise this morning or this evening, wherever you're at. As a reminder, this enters our season of Lent, and on Wednesday evenings for the next six Wednesday nights at Celebration Church, we're going to be doing a series called Making Room for God. We'd encourage you to join us on Wednesday nights. Those services will be a little bit different. It'll be a 15 to 20 minute little study, and then we'll break into some small group discussion, and we're encouraging you to fast with us on Wednesdays, and we'll break our fasting with soup and bread. So we've got sign-ups available at all of our campuses. So if you've not signed up to bring soup, we've got a lot of people. So you could use some help doing that. And there's sign-ups available. You can ask your campus pastor or look out in the lobby for that. We encourage you to join with us on Wednesday nights. It'll be a great time just being together, digging into God's word, having a little discussion, and uh, after fasting, having some soup and bread together. So we'd encourage you to, to join with us. If you'd like to lead one of those discussions in those small groups, you can also contact us, let us know if you'd like to do that. Well, as we're all standing before we leave, uh, if you uh, have an offering you plan on leaving, you can do that as you walk out. But the Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord turn his face towards you and give you peace. God bless. Have a wonderful evening.